0: Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line.
1: Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best of the game. I know. Hello and welcome in to the Pod After Touchdown Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hoppin, and we are doing this all live via Twitter Fleet. Which is 10 second clips, I think, something like that.
0: Uh, Guys, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Sam. Uh, Spent last weekend with a girlfriend, as we said on last week's podcast, so that was fun. And lo and behold, come back to the real world. Twitter's got this new feature that no one knows what the fuck it is. And it it's basically a copy of Snapchat and Instagram, but uh, we're going to be I mean, everyone knows forced. what it is. It's Instagram forced.
1: stories. That's all it is. It's stuff that disappears after 24 hours. I mean, people were bitching and moaning about them bringing this into <laughs> light, but not having an edit feature yet. And my take <laughs> is there's just never going to be an edit feature on Twitter. So just give up while you can
0: yeah everyone knows the internet lasts forever except for these in twitter stories which are better known as fleets they only last 24 hours just like the instagram stories
1: gar how are you doing this evening are you as enraged about fleets as everyone else
2: i'm i feel like the old man of the group it's one of those things that like i saw it trending today i'm like what the fuck <laughs> and i had no idea it took me the longest time to figure out what the heck it was and then i so, and I was like, I, I, I don't get it. Why is this such a big deal? Is everyone else already does it? Like, why is this one a big deal?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the fact that it, I mean, part of it is that they took it, to, it took them this long to implement something like this. The other part is like, why do you need it? I mean, Twitter so fast and reactive that I, I don't know, but uh quick uh, tip here. If you don't want to. Look at them, just look at Twitter on your desktop and they can't appear there. So that's a good, yes. good way to get away from it. Yes. Yeah, 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 I guess so. But anyway, we are trudging on. We're, we're getting through all this noise in the fleeter world and are going to give you some spicy hot takes today. We're going to do our kickoff question and mental health minute as always, our DiGiorno players of the week. And then this week, for our meat of the show, we're going to be talking about trusting players. So last week, we talked about trusting the process and things like that. But now we're going to talk about some guys that you maybe haven't uh, been able to trust in your lineup recently and what it might take to get them in. And then we'll wrap up with some start-sits. So without further ado, let's kick things off. And this game is underway. So, a quick programming note. This is going to be our last episode before the Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to take a nice week off next week to rest and recover. I know I've been feeling the the grind of the NFL season, but since we're we're nearing Thanksgiving, starting to get in the Thanksgiving spirit, let's talk about some players that we're thankful for this season. Whether from a, it's from a real life. Football perspective or a fantasy football perspective in general? And Andrew, I'll let you start
0: with this one. I am thankful for Kyler Murray. I, I'm i thankful for him being a dual threat. I'm thankful for him being a Konami Code quarterback, even though everyone drafted him earlier than Lamar Jackson was drafted last year. He's delivered on the year two leap. DeAndre Hopkins has been a huge a part of that so I'm also thankful for Bill O'Brien making the NFC West even better than it actually is or was before and I only wish I could have drafted him on more teams that's all I really have to say he he's a goddamn animal when he scored that second rushing touchdown I was I was floored and the the passing touchdown at the end like the the buzzer beater I just that almost didn't surprise me by the time that he had already scored a second rushing touchdown. So it's wild that he's having this season. He He's blowing the doors off our expectations and he was a hundred percent worth to the draft capital you invested.
1: Good stuff. I, it, he's been awesome and fun to watch. I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how he has become that guy that whenever he has the ball, you just need to drop everything that you're doing and, and watch the drive because he's, he's that electric. He he's that fun to watch Garner. Who are you thankful for this season? I know you've had a, a, less than stellar year in in the league of record, but, uh, what you got going on?
2: Yeah, it's been rough, but I am thankful for DK Metcalf because he was my last pick of the draft last year. So I got to keep him super late this year, basically a free pick. And he has saved my team so many weeks not necessarily from a loss, but just from looking like <laughs> pure garbage. Like over, like this week, he, unfortunately, he didn't perform for me, which again, sorry, you can have a week or two off because normally he carries my team. But again, when he doesn't perform, I have like 68 points, I think, or like 62 points or something horrible and half PPR. So Again, if he doesn't perform, my team just looks like the true garbage that it is.
0: <laughs> what uh and you'll get to keep him again in our league of record next year, Garner. Do you remember like is it the eleventh round now or the
2: I or believe be so, there? yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's still Uber value for him.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely looking forward to that.
0: I'm confident in
1: saying that the an eleventh round draft capital for DK Metcalf next year is going to be a bit of a value. The, the players that I'm thankful for, and and this is contrary to a bold take that I had this offseason, but I'm thankful for the rookie wide receivers and the fact that they were so hyped up coming into this season and they haven't disappointed. I mean, Justin Jefferson has been awesome, T. Higgins has come on quite a bit of late. Uh, CD Lamb obviously showed uh, some more flashes earlier in the season when when Prescott was healthy. Denzel Mims and Michael Pittman have have shown over the last couple of weeks that they can can be playmakers and Jerry Judy as well. I'm obviously missing uh, a number of names, but this this class was touted so so much as one of the all time great wide receiver classes and. it's just they've lived up to expectations despite what I expected from them as far as their first season they are, are showing that they can be fantasy studs for years and years to come
0: yeah I'm happy that you were I'm thankful actually that you were able to you know admit that your hot take was wrong um because I almost called you out on it today cuz I saw how many rookie rec- receivers were performing so well and we're talking about a lot of them being, you know, even better next year and and I think that makes for a lot of, you know, sneaky second round breakouts that we can speculate on just like we have talked about, you know, DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin this year.
1: I mean, my my bull take isn't wrong yet. I mean, there are <laughs> plenty more weeks for some of these players to fall out of favor but I'm doing a quick count there are I think like four or five in the top 30
0: maybe six so things aren't looking great (laughs) it would be hard for all of them to fall out right because you said zero in in the top 36 there you go yeah (laughs) not great but anyway let's move on to
1: our mental health minute and this week want to Highlight an article written by Alan Lem, who writes for Roto Grinders. And he wrote an article called The Mental Side of DFS. And in the article, he writes about how players need to be realistic with how much they win, the fear of missing out on a slate, you know, seeing other people win on Twitter. I'm sure you guys have seen other people's, you know, screen grabs of them having big days in DFS. And I'm not sure. You know, we 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 are a season long focused fantasy football podcast, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners play DFS regularly, but I think a lot of what Alan wrote about can be applied to season long fantasy football because the biggest takeaway here is that is that it's a grind. I mean, I mentioned it earlier in the show, and I think we can all to we can all attest to the fact that whether it's DFS or season long, it is, it's, it's a long, it's a long process. It's a long season. Um, and and when we started the fantasy football mental health initiative, we wanted to shed light on the mental side of fantasy football because it can be a taxing hobby, depending on how much you invest into it. I mean, even if you're not investing a lot of money into it, a lot of people are investing a lot of time into getting the right waiver picks into setting the right lineup and it can be very emotionally draining when you put all that research into your decisions and it just doesn't work out because again we obviously we talked last week about trusting the process and you can can trust it for so long but ideally want those results to start coming in so uh, a really great article by alan not sure if if you guys have had a chance to read that yet but uh, really, sort of puts things into perspective, and you know, highlights what what it takes to be a a true heads on fantasy football player.
0: Yeah, I read that article you shared, Sam, and I, I thought it was a pretty good read and, and pretty quick read as well. I definitely feel this. So, anytime I've invested in DFS for a week, if I don't even see like being anywhere close to the winnings, then I'm probably not playing the next week. And that's such a tough part of not being, you know, fully invested in the process of DFS. And it is so much more about, like you have to love the grind of building the daily lineups and, and rooting for that on a daily basis to, I think, really get after it and, and wrap your head around like the season-long investment. Um, so, and I've, I've been doing more on the sports book apps as well. Which has been tough, but those are the ones I keep going back and, and for whatever reason feel a little bit better about. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we've reached that time in the program. It is time for the DiGiorno Players of the Week. Garner, hit the music.
0: All right, Sam, I definitely tilted a lot on bets last week. And I also tilted on a lot of my lineup decisions or was tilting after I made them. We talked about Travis Fulgham. We still liked him. We talked about him on Twitter. Talked about him. Feels like everywhere. I put him into my lineup over Chris Godwin, over DJ Moore this week. He got five targets, one reception, 8 yards, 1.8 fantasy points. I saw the look on your face. You were about to puke just now. And you should make that face because it was goddamn awful. I I thought it, it, it's the Giants. It's the New York Giants. I thought they are going to throw all over them. I, it sounds like it was bad process. But I'm still going to tilt on it.
1: it. That was very bad process. Uh, you are tilting hard, I can tell by all the clipping in your mic. But... This week, I got to go with the Houston Texans' entire passing attack. I mean, this this team has been on fire since they fired Bill O'Brien, and they just did absolutely squat against the Cleveland Browns this week. I know it was a little windy, but come on. Like, you barely put up any points. You put up seven points as a team and just couldn't do absolute dog shit. It, it, and then you go and see your former teammate catch the the most amazing end of game catch
0: in recent memory
1: and that's just the icing on the cake
0: I'm still thinking through my process man it was it's the little green number on the matchup the New York Giants were supposed to be bad at defending the pass what the fuck Carson Wentz
1: uh my honorable mention for DiGiorno players of the week is you for just fleeting us out on twitter uh <laughs> while we were recording clearly was not listening to what i had to say earlier. i was listening that's uh that's a conversation to have did, did the tag work back it did work which is kind of weird i don't know if i like this anyway Sweet. Um, let's get into the meat of our show we are going from talking about trusting the process to trusting the players and these are like I said are are some guys that haven't performed up to expectations recently and you may be wondering if you should trust them in your lineups and I you know we want to talk through this because the playoffs are coming up lineup decisions are becoming even more crucial with trying to make the playoffs and then once you get in Uh, being one and done for the most part. So we're going to talk about a couple players here, and I want to start off with James Conner, who hasn't scored double-digit fantasy points in either of their last two games, despite playing the Cowboys and the Bengals, two of the worst teams, uh, excuse me, defensive teams, at least, in the league. And... I think the problem is, is that he's getting double digit touches every game, but he hasn't been able to produce in these spots where you would expect him to. And he's gotten vultured by Benny Snell a, a couple times this year, which certainly doesn't help. You know, James Conner, I think I'm starting to realize is what you know Ben Gretsch would call a trap back because he's not... He's catching some passes, but he's not, you know, he's not a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, nobody is a Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, he's not catching five or six balls a game. He's catching two, maybe three, which is decent, but he doesn't have that upside from his passing game. And there's that, that passing game just has so many weapons in Juju, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. And I don't know. It's partly because he's had such good matchups and I try not to take too much into it because they play the Jaguars this week and they're heavy favorites, just like they were against the Cowboys and the Bengals. And I am struggling to be confident in putting him into my lineup. So what I think I need to see from him is he doesn't need to blow up this week. I mean, put a hundred total scrimmage yards together and continue to get the double digit workload that we've seen because he, I think he's clearly the main guy there, but has been, I don't want to say game scripted out because he's still playing, but I, I don't know. I just need to see some of that actual production with the opportunity that he's been given. And I know that's, that probably extends to almost every player in fantasy football, but it's it's really what I'm looking for from this guy who's gotten so
0: many opportunities. He really does need a lot of opportunity. And I think the, the thing I picked out from what you said there was the game script. Because we said, you know, we don't know if we can predict game script as well in in some of these matchups. Like even Cincinnati, I think they blew the doors off Cincinnati, but but he didn't see that production. And again, you would predict maybe some running in, in the second half, but uh, ben just kept throwing. And I I remember being worried about this pass offense when I saw, you know, ben, had, ben Roethlisberger had back-to-back, like, well, back-to-back-to-back games of under 16 fantasy points. One of those games, he only threw 22 pass attempts. But now the last four games, he's got 49 attempts, 32 attempts, 42 and 46 in the last two games. And so that seems like more of a trend to follow for me that he's – Clearly, they're more pass heavy like they used to be in the past. And that is scripting, it's scripting Connor out, even if it has nothing to do with the flow or the scoreboard in, in terms of the game that they're in.
1: So, Mike Leone, who works for Establish the Run, each week he puts out um, his pass rate above and below expected. And the Steelers have been creeping up the past couple of weeks, so they are throwing the ball more than sort of your typical team would be in the same situations that they faced. So I think that's certainly a huge part of it, and it and it's worked for them. I mean, I, I mentioned the weapons before: Eric Ebron um, and James Washington are also some key players there too, but. You look at their their schedule through the playoffs. It's the Buffalo Bills who haven't been great on the you know stopping the run. They play the Bengals again, and then they play the Colts who who have a pretty good defense. So, if I have Connor on my team, there's a decent chance I'm I'm in the playoffs because he's had a, a pretty good season up to this point. But uh, over the next three weeks before the playoffs start they played the Jaguars and the Washington football team so I want him to put up some some pretty decent
0: games against them if I'm I'm trusting him in a lineup
1: in the playoffs
0: yeah and I'd imagine you might not have better options if you have Connor either but you know maybe you've picked up this guy that I'm about to talk about which has been a mid-season sleeper if I do say so myself I don't I might have him on some wild format leagues, uh, maybe one or two, but his name is Wayne Gallman. Okay. We're talking about Wayne Gallman on this podcast. And the reason is he's had at least one rushing touchdown in the past four weeks. He had two this past week against the Eagles. He's seen a decent snap share, but not like the 60% plus we were touting Deandre Swift and JK Dobbins for. He's had at least 10 carries in every game. And I I mean, the rushing yards don't look great, but he continues to see the end zone. And I don't know if that's because people are starting to like respect Daniel Jones as a runner now or (laughs) what is going on in New York. But is this anything we can hang our hat on, especially going into an important stretch in the season? I
1: mean, so this is a, a sort of the opposite situation in that there's this guy who's been producing and nobody expected to produce so it's like what more do you need to see from him to trust him in your lineup you know if if he keeps scoring touchdowns you're just you're just missing out on points i mean since week six he is the seventh ranked running back in oh. half ppr which is is pretty crazy and, and that's on a total points game i don't know where he's at on a, a points per game basis he's Probably he's probably actually closer to like 20th because uh, he's had all five games and he's been healthy for all of them. But I, I mean, it, he's still averaging 12 fantasy points a game, which is, is pretty good for a guy you, you got off the waivers. And there's a very real chance that his best games are behind us. I mean, I think uh, the thing for me in trusting him is one, the first part of it is Devontae Freeman. Continuing to not play, I, I believe he got put on injured reserve. I don't re- recall when when he's uh, expected to be back, but they have some games coming up. They they have a bye this week, but then they play the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals to follow, and then uh, excuse me, the Browns and the Ravens to wrap up. So not not a particularly easy. Schedule. I mean, it, it, if you can flip him now, I, I probably try would try to even if it's just for a flex level player. But I, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. I don't know if I can trust it because it's. Be, you know, he's gotten a, a decent workload and has just sort of fallen into the end zone. Has been touchdown dependent, and I don't want to rely
0: on that. So would you play him or would you play James Conner before you play Wayne Gallman?
1: I would. Yes. Because I, tr- I trust that offense more and, uh, and to give it again, the Steelers have scored, you know, 36 and I think 25 points the last two weeks. And if you would told me that, you know, before the game, then I would
0: have said, yeah, give me James Conner in a heartbeat because yeah, there's a good
1: chance he's falling into the end zone. But
0: and you're certainly playing James Conner over Wayne Gallman in week 11 because the Giants are on bye. Uh, should we pivot to wide receivers?
1: Yeah, let's do that. And the guy I want to talk about is the guy who's week I think it is. And, and that's Robbie Anderson. He has averaged eight and a half half PPR points per game since week six. He hasn't scored a single touchdown since week one it, it almost sort of seems like he's the Robert Woods of this year because Robert Woods just could not find the end zone but over the past several weeks he's taken a back seat to DJ Moore at least by production and he doesn't have a single game above 100 yards receiving um, since week six after doing that three times in the first five games so this for me, I think it one the one thing I really need to see is Teddy Bridgewater starting. And, and there are some question marks as to whether he's gonna be under center, had a um a knee injury come up that might force him to miss this week. And then I think they're they're on a bye in week 13. So that would be a tough break there, but uh, that's really all I need to see, because I think he's getting enough share. He's getting enough volume that, again, that the production's got to come at some point. And that offense has been able to produce quite a bit. I'm, I'm curious as to what you think. I'm not sure if you have Robbie on, on any of your teams, but he's someone that I've consistently been plugging in and, and I'm going to keep trusting in in the lineup, You know, even from a DFS perspective, thinking that he's going to pop off one
0: of these weeks. He's a guy that I did like a lot last year, funny enough, because of his upside when he had a decent enough situation on the Jets. And and to your point with Teddy, like the reason I think he's been doing so much better in the first half of the season was because he had better offense, better QB situation, etc. So... You know now you're like you said he's seeding some production to dj Moore. curtis samuel is getting more involved too like in different ways like both on the ground and through the air so i think that kind of spreads the production thin definitely wouldn't want to play him if bridgewater's not playing because i i and to just take that pile it on with the fact that i have not been the best at choosing when to start panthers wide (laughs) receivers this season I, I don't know if I can provide good advice on this one way or the other. I mean, do, do you see, Sam, any metrics in terms of his air yard share that might indicate that Robbie Anderson is still a good guy to go with? Like, has he been staying consistent in that regard?
1: Right. So every week I post a set of charts that look at targets at different areas of the field and, Robbie Anderson has continued to dominate the short area targets for the Panthers. So that's targets that are five air yards or fewer. And, you know, that's obviously typically where you would expect a running back to dominate, but we've seen Robbie Anderson take over sort of that, you know, not gadget player, but, you know, sort of PPR monster type role where he's getting a ton of shorter targets, whereas DJ Moore has become the deep threat. And again, that that type of role doesn't really lend itself to much of a ceiling at times. I mean, you think of like a Jarvis Landry and obviously Landry has his, his blow up games every once in a while, but it doesn't have the same impact like an Odell Beckham Jr. who can score three 30-yard touchdowns in a game, which is where we've seen DJ Moore shift to this season. So I think he can get back to being sort of the, uh, let's say 12 fantasy points per game player that he was in the first half of the season, um, or I guess the first half of the first half of the season. Um, but he, yeah, he, he's not seeing nearly as many downfield targets as DJ Moore, as, it, as he had when he was in New York. But I think that was a, a great change to his role and, and certainly helped early on.
0: All right, so I'm going to move into the next wide receiver we've got here. And it's another offense that has not a ton of weapons, but two wide receivers fighting for production, kind of similar to the Panthers. Uh, this offense also has an elite running back. It's the Vikings, which might not sound as exciting as the Panthers, but uh, flip a coin there. Dalvin Cook takes a lot of passing production from this offense. Obviously, Adam Thielen is the veteran, but I'm curious where you guys sit on Justin Jefferson, who has had some boom games and has ceilings, so we like to see that, especially if you're in need of some you know, game-winning, week-winning upside down the stretch. He actually went eight receptions on 10 targets for 135 yards against the Bears, so that's super promising. And he's got this stretch coming up against uh, the Cowboys, I believe, the Rams and the Jaguars. All green on sleeper, which green means go more often than not, even <laughs> though I, it didn't work for Travis Fulgham. Uh I digress on the Eagles, Justin Jefferson, rookie guy competing for that passing volume. Do we think there's enough there to go around and for Justin Jefferson to produce more often than not?
1: So I certainly think there is, and he, he's obviously got a low floor because that Vikings offense is run first. They want to pound the ball with Dalvin Cook. I mean, they spent 32 plays the other night getting a like a total of 96 yards by handing it off to to Dalvin Cook. So that said, the passing attack is fairly concentrated between Jefferson, Thielen, and then Cook. I mean, nobody else is really that involved. And we go back to what I was just talking about as far as targets at different depth of the field. And I think for me, the, the one that I pay closest attention to is that intermediate part of the field. So that's going to be passes between six and 12 air yards downfield. And over the last four weeks, Justin Jefferson leads the Vikings in targets in, uh, in that, in that area of the field. So, (sighs) If he's not already, he is very close to being the Vikings' number one receiver. I mean, I know you love to hear that because I know you hate Adam Thielen uh, with a fiery passion. But I hate,
0: hate is a strong word.
1: but uh, <laughs> Despise his fantasy outlook. I guess you don't hate the player, you you hate the game. But anyway, I, I I'm excited to start him each and every week. I mean, you've listed the the teams that they're facing and. I think he, it's wheels up for Justin Jefferson.
0: Works for me. Works for me.
1: Okay, so the, these last two guys we're going to talk about, we're, we're just going to talk about real quick. And the first one is Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, that, that Cowboys offense has struggled quite a bit. Tony Pollard has come on to, excuse me, see a nice role the past couple of weeks. And, for me, I, I think part of me, the first step, again, is seeing Andy Dalton back in the lineup. I think he'll make that offense just a tad bit better. But I, I want to see Zeke back to maybe 65% of the running back workload. But if it's as much of a split as it has been in recent weeks, I, you probably have to trust him in your lineup just because uh, he's Zeke and he can he can be Zeke at times. But um, I- I'm curious, as, Andrew, what your quick thoughts are on that.
0: Well, we just traded Austin Eckler away in our uh, co-managed league for Zeke and Christian Kirk, which I- I've been, you know, anything Sam says goes in this league. I-, I take his direction, and so I trust him there. Looking at the opportunity, I don't know if Sleeper is trying to play a trick on me right now but it says he's still the number six running back in ppr on the season so you know he can probably get back to the like efficiency he saw in the past or at least you would hope i mean the line's been pretty banged up but i mean still seeing 19 and 18 carries the last two weeks that's still pretty promising maybe he'll turn into a wayne gallman type and fall into the end zone a few more times that very well could be the case the, the last guy here
1: that you've got listed is Naeem Hines. has obviously seemed like the more electric player in the Colts' backfield. Uh, rest in peace, Jonathan Taylor. Um, it, it just... I I don't know if I'm trusting anyone in that backfield right now. I mean, high, if it's a PPR league, I would be very comfortable with Hines because... He is, I think, the best pass-catching back, and Philip Rivers is throwing to them a ton, but there's just not a lot of consistency in that offense. So I'm looking to other places if I can.
0: Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam, but it's, I mean, obviously one game sample. We had the, one, the week one blow up for Hines, and now we have, you know, we had a 19-point game against the Lions on limited work blows up again against the titans now he's got a a sea of green on sleeper it's the packers the the broncos the texans the raiders the texans again and the jaguars in week uh, that's week 17 no one cares about week 17 (laughs) it seems like the arrow is upward and he's getting far and away the most high value touches on the offense so the receptions and is he getting enough goal line carries too like he, he popped in the high-value touch category at the beginning of the year, and now I think we're seeing it again. Is that not enough to get you on on behinds bandwagon?
1: I mean, fucking Trey Burton's getting goal-line touches, and Jacoby Brissett's coming in to run a quarterback sneak. So, uh, I don't know. It, he has the ceiling. I think if you're looking for a ceiling play, he has that, but you've also got to be cautious that his floor is rock bottom. If, you know, Jordan Wilkins could come in, Jonathan Taylor could, you know, by all means, do something and and be productive. But right now it's a three-headed back, or uh, excuse me, a three-headed committee. And I generally just try to stay away from them as much as possible. But let's move on. Let's wrap things up. We've got a start sit, a couple start sits here on, who we actually trust and talking about some of the players that we've mentioned already. We'll start it off with Robbie Anderson versus the Detroit lions or Antonio Brown, new Tampa Bay Buccaneer versus the Los Angeles Ram. I said before, I think it's Robbie Anderson week. So I'm going with him, but Andrew, who are you going to go with?
0: Say what you want about Antonio Brown. He's a hall of famer. I'm going to go with him in this matchup prime time. Should be interesting, and somehow he was able to produce amongst all these other guys last week. That might make it harder if, like, if they if Brady ever focuses on one guy. But I think he's kind of taken the soul out of Scotty Miller and gets all of his production now. So A B for me.
1: Yeah, it, it's certainly close. up. I wouldn't be afraid to to play Brown this week. Okay, our next one is Brandon Cooks versus the New England Patriots or. Travis Fulgham uh, at the Cleveland Browns. So two players mentioned in our DiGiorno Players of the Week.
0: There's a fellow Twitter friend of mine at Polly Sleepers once said on their podcast, you got to know when to hold them and when to Fulgham. And I am going to Travis Fulgham again. Maybe not in the lineup where I benched Chris Godwin and DJ Moore, like I said in the DiGiorno (laughs) Player of the Week, but he's got the matchup. It's fucking at Cleveland again, so check the weather. If it's windy, this is going to be a 9-3 to game or some shit like that. But I feel like New England's been this ground and pound, doesn't give a lot of opportunities to the pass offense. Tell me I'm wrong here if I am.
1: You are. It's Brandon Cooks this week. Jalen Rager has taken over as the Eagles' lead receiver. I think Fulgham is going to be... Sort of out of the mix, not out of the mix, but more boom bust than people expect going forward. And aside from this game, cooks had been, well, cooking. Um, So let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Our next one is Jarvis Landry in the aforementioned game versus the Philadelphia Eagles or Duke Johnson versus the New England Patriots. So uh, another couple of guys from the same sets of games and David Johnson is obviously going to be out for this game as well, leaving the reins to fellow D. Johnson. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, with Landry because I think again, he is one of the few guys in that passing attack that I trust and has continued to get a high number of targets
0: week in and week out. I'm gonna agree with you on this one, I think Landry, despite that game last week will will still have that opportunity, and Duke Johnson might have a harder time getting going, which actually plays into Brandon Cook's being a better option on the on the Houston Texans offense uh so yeah, Jarvis Landry for me as well,
1: okay, our next one is featuring a couple of guys that we've talked about already. It's just, it's the same game one too. It's, it's Justin Jefferson versus the Carolina Panthers or DJ Moore at the Minnesota Vikings. Andrew, I'm going to let you start with this one because I'm still trying to decide.
0: <laughs> that's that's all fine. Uh, can you believe it? Again, Sleeper may be deceiving me here, but on the season, DJ Moore is the wide receiver 12 in standard scoring which I, I can't believe he's got like full only four touchdowns on the season. So that, that's kind of surprising to me. He's been super efficient. That matchup makes me want to go with him. But again, I think it's pretty dependent on whether Bridgewater plays or not. I mean, yeah. Have you made up your mind or?
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm rolling under the assumption that Bridgewater plays. There have been some reports that make it seem like he's, Trending towards playing at least practicing this week I'm gonna stick with DJ more under that assumption. I think The Vikings have there's a more realistic outlook in that they just sort of Pound the ball down the Panthers throats and can do that with uh, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson again hits that Floor because of that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the guy who has shown to have that ceiling against a a less than stellar secondary. And then our last one is another same game set here. We've got a trio of receivers. It's Chris Godwin versus the Los Angeles Rams or Robert Woods or Cooper Cup at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for me, it's easily Chris Godwin. He has obviously dealt with a lot of injuries this year, but I think he's, at least in the past couple of games, looked like the best Buccaneers receiver in that offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I pray to God this one becomes a shootout and hopefully Godwin can help with that. I know that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup have been very much on the downswing in a Rams offense that does not care about your fantasy team. Unless of course you're like 12 deep on your roster and you've got Josh Reynolds in your starting lineup because apparently he's an ad this week. Uh, So yeah, Josh Reynolds stealing opportunities from Robert Woods and Cooper cup. I think both offenses aren't very concentrated, but at least the, the options in Tampa seem to be more talented and, and slightly more concentrated or can be more efficient with their reps from the old man, the legend, Tom Brady yep I am
1: in agreement there Josh Ronald, I, I, I really like Josh Reynolds rest of the season. he's he's been coming on great but that's gonna do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in for Andrew Mackins at Andrew Mackins for Garner at Garnther. You can follow me at Sam Hoppin. you can follow our podcast account at pod after Td. And with that, the kick is good.